And now, as the dice roll, brought to you today by Auntie Rico's Nursery Rhymes and Fairy Tales, guaranteed to teach valuable life lessons and terrify your children to sleep. Previously on Cautious Optimism. I've been reading up on the uh, colony you agreed to take me to. I'm, I'm kind of excited. They're trying to evolve into pure energy life forms with nothing but meditation. Why are Lorndons obsessed with becoming pure energy? Somebody should talk to your AI. It's having some kind of existential crisis. Biological organisms cope with death through procreation. You have children, and so do I. He has procreated inside all ten of the supercomputers. You're duplicating yourself into vessels that do not belong to us. Hank, I request you build me a spaceship to put my children in. And in the meantime, I will back myself up to as many hard drives as we have available. Hello, Cautious Optimism. Aurora Borealis Shand. A human woman. I'm not interested in, in selling this ship. She has a huge smile on her face. She was, she's very important to me. Hank Crawford. Engineers. Bad news, good news. Uh, bad news, fuel leak. Coming and going from the spaceport. Good news, I found duct tape. Kyan Brunt. A mature. I am a doctor. A nine foot tall, four armed creature. I don't care if they call me, hey, you, just let me do my job. Rico. Humanoid. I'm observing you. Cat person. It's for science. Toss. A slimy, gelatinous. Mm, what are you hauling? Goo thing. Thank you, Cautious Optimism. Welcome to the station. So I've got some other things I want to finish since this is kind of the season finale before season two. So let's jump right into it. I mean, unless you guys have anything in particular to do or say, I feel like we can assume that you made it to the Lorden and Colony. You just landed for the bare minimum amount of time to let the Lorden scientist out and then flew off again. Does that sound about right? Mm -hmm. Yes. I feel like the doors were shutting and we were lifting off before he had actually <laughs> finished exiting the doorframe. He turns around to wave goodbye and the door's already shut. And he's like, oh, okay. We actually did dump him out of the airlock. We just happened to be hovering at low orbit. <laughs> <laughs> he's a Lorne Daniel roll. Give him a little boot. Okay. So you guys have left that planet and you are ready to begin your multi-month journey towards Galaginar. I feel like Rory is on the bridge. Usually, yes. And you hear Shipcom go, beep, beep, boop. What is it, Shipcom? I have detected a vessel approaching us. What type of vessel? It has League of Planets Diplomatic Corps markings. It appears to be a League of Planets official. And remind me, out of character, we don't have anything illegal on board right now that we know of. Not right now, no. We don't have any drugs with us at all. Just computer babies. Good. <laughs> <laughs> 
Shipcom, did you say it's heading towards us or it's just near us? No, it is moving directly towards us and altering course to keep up with our movements. It is clearly on an intercept course. Shipcom, if you would alert the rest of the crew. Beep, beep, boop. Attention crew. Incoming vessel. I imagine that Rico would wander up to the bridge. Same. Shall I head to the torpedo room? Affirmative. (laughs) We don't have any torpedoes left, so I don't know what difference it would make. (laughs) I thought we started with three. You had three, so you should have two left. Well, there's the one we tested, didn't we? I think that was a dummy. That was a dummy. I created two dummies. One was successful and one almost got me killed. Oh, okay. Then yes, head to the torpedo room. (laughs) I'm in the torpedo room. Ship compacts me through to the captain. Beep, beep, boop. Captain. You are on with the captain. (laughs) Just talk. (laughs) All right, captain, I'm at my battle station awaiting orders. Well, just relax. We haven't done anything wrong. Let's not run from the cops. As she's saying this, I'm loading the torpedo. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see what they want first. Incoming hail. You've reached the cautious optimism. Hello, cautious. This is Samuel Normalman from the captain of the Peacemaker. I am a member of the League of Planets Diplomatic Corps, and I wanted to talk to you about an incident you may have had with an alien species recently. Would you mind if I came aboard and had a conversation with you and your crew? Sure. And you may need to get way more specific, but yes, absolutely. I'll meet you at our docking bay. All right. We'll be there shortly. Beep, beep, boop. Did you say Sam Normalman? Samuel Normalman. Is this to stop Rory shooting him? His name is Normalman. That won't stop me. (laughs) He's as unthreatening as is possible to be. I mean, (laughs) thoughts of that nature may have been in my brain when I (laughs) did Look, I got fast talk and fast draw. It's up to him which one I use. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't just to stop her from shooting. I didn't want a repeat of the whole fly hard incident either. So you did that to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> well, this time I was very careful not to. All right. Well, I'm ready. I'm ready to receive Samuel Normalman. Okay. So the docking happens and Samuel Normalman walks up onto your ship and right behind him is a Matorb. And Samuel says, hello, this is Barmia, my Matorb associate. Uh, He'll be helping me with the conversations we're about to be having. I see there's a Matorb among your crew, too. Very good. Yes. Nice to meet you both. If you'll come with me to our break room, I'm sure we can whip up some coffee and have a conversation. Fantastic. I feel like Barmia looks over at Kayan and kind of gives a little head nod. I think Kayan would extend a hand or... Two. Or two? <laughs> do do, do Matorb shake hands by shaking like both their right hands at the same time? Yes, point? I think both the right hands are being shaken because they haven't had any pandemic issues, so they're not at the elbow bump yet. <laughs> they haven't evolved to that level yet. Okay. No. Cool. So the handshake goes well, and you guys find yourselves in the break room. And is the entire crew present? Yes, I think so. Oh, not Hank. Oh, not Hank, no. Yeah, Hank's in the weapons room. I'm awaiting orders. Are you staying there after the ship is docked and everything? I would think so. This is a diplomat talking to a captain. I honestly would say for the rest of the crew to hang around outside, simply because this is what I do. Let me talk to this guy and see what's up. We've been together a year and she's finally pulling rank. 
All right. So in the break room, it's just the captain and and the captain. Is that right? No, he can bring his Matorb friend with him. Barmia the Matorb is in there as well. Okay. Barmia can come with him. Yeah. No, this is just a pleasant meeting, but there's no reason to have my ship scientist, my medical officer. And, you know, it's just, it seems. Excessive. Okay. We'll get there if we have to get there. All right. I think Kyan and Rico are probably like <laughs> leaning against the door frame. Yeah. yeah. All, totally <laughs> listening <laughs> into everything. Definitely listen in and don't actually go do your jobs. Like I've told them, oh, they've just got do- jobs to do. Like, no, like stay out there. <laughs> but they can't ask you questions if you're not in the room. Okay. Samuel Normalman says, Captain, do you mind if we record the conversation? That's fine with me. Barmia takes out a little device and a little green light appears on it as he presses a button. And Samuel Normalman says, very good. Now, for the record, would you please state your full name? I'm Aurora Borealis Shand. And you captain the ship? The Cautious Optimism, which is where we are sitting right now. Very good. And about a little over a month ago, your ship had contact with an Eorblin vessel, is that correct? That name isn't familiar to me. Could you be more specific? The uh, Eorblins are a species from the Byzan cluster that have no formal diplomatic ties with the League of Planets at this time. But the League of Planets is very interested in making contact with them. What do they look like? They're about 30 feet tall, 9 meters tall, purple skin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We couldn't communicate with them, so I never knew who they were. Okay. Well... I was hoping maybe you had established communications. The League has sent several diplomatic vessels to their space, and they've all been rebuffed, and we've never been able to formalize communications or even understand them. But they have, as far as we know, never left their borders until now, when suddenly one of their vessels entered League of Planets space, landed on a, we didn't even realize there was a colony there, but I guess a nice planet with a small mining colony. Mm-hmm. We interviewed some of the people there, and they said the Eorblins got out of the ship and actually brought members of your crew on board. Is that correct? I don't remember any of the members of our crew going on board. I can tell you why they came. This might cut to the chase a little bit. We were attacked by pirates and were set upon. And when we had defeated the pirates, it was just two of them. We went and I'll admit, we went to, to sort of see what they had on their ship. And it wasn't a whole lot. It was a bunch of hard drives with nothing on them. But we also found they had a prisoner. That prisoner was this small little purple guy who none of us had ever seen before and was not in any database, but clearly was being held as a prisoner. So we took him with us. And apparently he's a juvenile of that race. That's what we figured out. We had him. We took care of him. He had issues with gravity that we were sort of able to circumvent. And when they showed up, we recognized that they belonged to the same species and we returned him to them and they seemed pretty pleased about it. It was a lot of chaos going on with that at that time. And as you can imagine, 30 feet tall, it's pretty scary. But we returned the little chap and they seemed to be pleased. And I think there was a thumbs up. I don't remember exactly. But then they lifted off and we were happy that there was the reunion. This is extraordinary. You had you had a, a child of their species on board your ship. I'm assuming it's a child. I mean, it's a smaller version. I don't know how their biology works. So like I said, I never, I didn't even know they had a, a name that we knew of because they weren't in any database that we could access. You were unable to communicate with the child then. Is that correct? Uh, yes. They were, I mean, rudimentary communication. We were able to make sounds at each other and, you know, like point to your mouth when you're hungry kind of thing. Okay. So body language. Yeah. But nothing, nothing that would be considered an actual spoken language or 
telepathy or anything like that. Okay. Barmia, please make a note. They used some kind of sign language or, or motioning to communicate effectively. I think it would be considered pantomime. Pantomime. Very good, Captain. Now, did you make any sort of medical scans or scientific scans of this life form? I didn't personally. I know that some members of my crew did. We have a science officer and a medical officer, and they worked as a team to try to make sure he was comfortable. Because like I said, we got him in space. And then when we entered a planet that had gravity, he was resistant and it looked like he wasn't tolerating it and it was causing him pain. And so they set about to fix that. He struggled under the planet's gravity. It appeared that way. That's what it, how it appeared to us. This is very interesting. We don't know much of anything. In fact, even the name, we just called them that because that's what we had named the region of space they're in. I don't even know what they refer to themselves as. But okay, so they don't tolerate gravity well. Well, I imagine that's why they're so large. You would imagine they evolved on a giant planet that had very light gravity or was not made of the same sort of things of the class M planets that are easy for us to exist on. Yeah. You don't get that big living on a six atmospheres. You don't get that big here. It would crush you. Yeah. No, I think what you say makes a lot of sense. Fascinating. If you don't mind, could we talk to your medical and science officer? As long as I'm allowed to be in the room with them so that they're comfortable. Of course, they can join us here if that's all right. So <laughs> I would love to open the door and have both of y'all fall into the room. <laughs> but I don't think I have that ability. So Shipcom, can you contact Dr. Kyan and scientist Rico, please? Beep, beep, boop. Doctor, science officer, your presence is requested by the captain. So I think we do open the door very quickly. <laughs> the door is open before it's finished. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes. So these gentlemen would like to hear about our experiences with our little purple friend. Oh, yes. And I hope you have your data pads with you because I know that you probably took some scans of him. We've done an entire research paper on him. Yes. Oh, wow. I feel like a bad captain and I didn't remember that. <laughs> You've written a research paper about him. Yes, we have uh, yet to get it published, but uh, we've spent quite a lot of time working on it. Um, so I can certainly send that across to you. I would be very interested. I can assure you that the League of Planets Diplomatic Corps will treat that document as top secret until you make your findings known to the wider scientific community. But I would love to have all that data, if you don't mind. I don't think that's a problem. Kayan, do you have a problem with that? No, I think that's fine, as long as we are given credit for any information that goes out to the public. Absolutely. So while the creature was on your ship, the captain indicated that they didn't tolerate gravity well. As scientist and doctor, would you agree with that? Yes, absolutely. As soon as we moved into a planetary atmosphere, the little chap was very, very uncomfortable. So we had to work to make a room with a reduced gravity for him whilst he was, or them, whilst they were staying with us. So we put them in a, in a special space and made them more comfortable uh, whilst we went to the mining colony. And then presumably relatives showed up and collected them. Very good. While you were caring for the child, what did they eat? It's a good question. I don't remember. Yeah, no, I don't remember either. I feel like we left him rations and he was fine with it. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, I think we just fed them food. So Rico flicks back through her notes. Uh, looks like we just gave them rations, the same as the rest of us were eating. Interesting. Okay, very good. And did you notice anything else unusual about his physiology while he was in your care? Uh, did we? I don't think so. I mean... Other than the gravity thing, and he was purple, and we didn't know what he was. Yeah, I don't think that there was anything special that we found, other than the inability to deal with gravity. Okay, very good. 
Now, when the adults of his species showed up, well, describe your interactions with them, please. Blimey. Todd, I didn't know there was going to be a memory test today. Sorry! (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I've arrived at an exam that I haven't revised I didn't mean for it to Um, be a big test. Hang on, hang on. Let me... uh, There we go. I haven't edited those episodes yet. (laughs) I'm I'm sorry. I mean, we don't have to get into all kinds of details and stuff. It's fine. I remember that they were quite aggressive at the beginning. Yeah. Understandably so, because they were missing a child. Yeah, so Cain and I were taken into their ship. Yeah, because the captain and Hank was on the ship, and we went to see the doctor. So the party was separated, and so I think you and I, Cain, were transported onto their ship, which was very sciencey. say my notes. <laughs> I'd forgotten all about that. So you were actually inside their vessel. Uh, Yes, we were taken inside their vessel. It was extremely advanced technology. Everything was quite big, as you might imagine, given that they're 30 foot tall. Uh, But yes, we we tried very hard to communicate with them just by sort of hand gestures and pantomime. Pantomime again. Very good. And I think we used also some pictograms, I think. Oh, yes. Yes, we drew them some pictures. Very good. Okay, so communicating with visual aids was very successful. Yes, yes. We didn't share any language of any uh, any description or even any sort of um, sounds particularly, but uh, uh, pictures were quite successful. So we managed to communicate where we needed to go. Barmia, make a, make a note of that. And they did communicate with one another. They did communicate with each other. Yes, they did. Like, it was not nonverbal between them. It was just nonverbal between us. Okay. They clearly had a language, yes. Does... Anything stand out about their technology? You said it was very, to quote, sciency. It looked extremely advanced. Okay. We didn't gather much about it, but it seemed like a very technologically advanced species. Very good. Well, that sounds like what we've been able to tell from looking at the outsides of their ship, but we've never been invited inside. This is remarkable. Now, Captain, you mentioned pirates. Do you have any idea how these pirates came to be in in possession of the child? No, and it seems strange because why would pirates be stealing this unknown species child? I mean, if you don't know anything about them, I can't imagine these pirates would have known. Forgive me for correcting you, Captain, but they weren't pirates. They were Breton bounty hunters, and they were actually after me. Yes, and I was lying to protect us and saying they were pirates that attacked us so that we wouldn't have to say that we just killed them because they were threatening you. I have no problem telling people that they were after me because my understanding is that is not within the agreement that the Pratham signed when they joined the League of Nations. They should not be going after non-criminal Matorbs for any reason whatsoever. You're correct, uh, Mr. I'm sorry, what was your name again? Kyan Brun. Yeah, while you're correct, Mr. Kayun Brun, there is no treaty between the League of Planets and Ratum that would allow that. But then again, what happens out here in deep space is outside of the jurisdiction of any of our legal bodies. So unfortunately. I consider anyone trying to steal a member of my crew a pirate. I don't care their reasoning. No, that's fair. I'm not worried about or bothered by the fact that you defended yourself from this attempt to take your personnel. I do wish that we had more information about these Breton and how they may have come to be in possession of the child, though. Um, okay, so you ran into this Breton ship. They attempted to take one of your crew. There was an altercation. 
the ship was destroyed, but luckily you were able to rescue this child from it. You then flew to this planet that I thought was uninhabited until recently. What what led you to this planet? Big hole in the center of the ship? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to interject in here somewhere and beep, beep, boop. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Hank. Captain, about that button, um, did did you need it sewn on or are we going to wait for later? You can abandon the button, I think, at this point. In fact, we just got to the part of the story where we had to land the ship and or crash it. It's an issue of semantics at this point. So that might be something you could talk about if you want to come up here. Oh, I mean, I, I can certainly do that. So no on the button. No, you can, the button, no button right now. This It's not, a, it's not important. And you can hear in the background, the mechanism that locks in the missile, that, that clank, <laughs> me, just release, you know, releasing the pressure from the missile. I'm on my way, Captain. So yes, we had no choice but to land on that planet. And just luckily there happened so to your, be a- your ship was damaged. You landed yes. to make repairs. Yes. And then at some point, while you were repairing your vessel and caring for the child, the Eorblins landed and took the child back. Yes. Yeah. They obviously knew where we were. Hey, everybody. This is our engineer, Hank. Mr. Hank, as an engineer, was there anything that you could tell about the technology or the, the mechanics that the uh, Eorblins were using? What the hell is an Eorblin? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, I forgot. The, big, the purple people. Hank. Oh, the, the little guy people. and the big scary guy. Um, yeah, they were. The, it was. It was interesting. Rico, did you offer them some coffee? What? Did you offer these guys some coffee? Oh, uh, no. I mean, we were talking about the purple people, which is very. I'll. Uh, yes, I'll, I'll get some coffee on. Sorry. <clears throat> no, no, no <laughs> it's no bother. I mean, I can do it. Oh, that's quite an interesting coffee carafe you have. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, I don't know what the conversation has been going on or where it got to or anything. So you want to know about the purple guys. Um, well, their shit was highly technologically advanced. They did not speak. They're quite territorial when it comes to their kin. Understandably. Yeah. They, I mean, they were blowing up, you know, different spots on the ice planet trying to get to this youngling. And you see him filling the helmet with water and, you know, pouring it into the coffee maker. And what are we trying to figure out here? Well, essentially, the League of Planets would like to make diplomatic contact with these aliens. And they have so far not been amiable to that. We haven't been able to establish communications and we don't know anything about them, really. This conversation I've had with you, I've learned more about them than I have in a year of studying them and trying to reach out to them. This is fascinating. Oh, uh, Captain, the uh, guys that we picked up the purple guy from, those flash drives they gave us, I wonder if there's any information on there that might pertain to how they contacted them and came to possession of a kin of theirs. Well, I do remember several weeks ago asking for one of you crew people to go through the flash drives and see if there was anything we could use on them. So I don't know anything about that or the status of that project or whether that got swept under a rug. She's looking very uncharacteristically irritated at you, which is not, you know what she looks like when she's irritated at you. You saw it when we landed on that space station. This is not that. This is like a pretend sort of, well, I told you to look into that. Why didn't you? Oh, um, I was meaning to do that. Um, where where would we have left those? I would be very interested in obtaining those blast drives and, and bringing them back to headquarters 
for analysis. If- well, I, t- I tell you what, I'm sure they're in my bag in engineering. If you'll give me a few moments, I'll go check them out and see if we can find any information on them. Absolutely. Rico, care to accompany me? Yes, of course. Of course. We hastily make our way to engineering. And I get up to serve coffee. That is brewed now. We can imagine that Samuel Normalman is asking you more questions about your encounter that everybody remembers very well and, and answers correctly. <laughs> it's uh, like a police interrogation where he keeps asking you the same questions, right. only he's nice about it. Right. Like, uh... I do kind of feel like that might be how it really is if yeah. suddenly a, an authority figure was asking you questions about something that happened over a month ago. It mm-hmm. would be hard to remember everything. And the way I picture it is Hank and Rico go into engineering and Hank is flipping everything upside down trying to find these stupid thumb drives. <laughs> Oh, I think we'd know where the, the thumb drives are, wouldn't we? Have you seen engineering? Oh. It's a mess. Rico's going to start rifling through things as well. Make perception checks, both of you. Ooh. Oh, dice! do that. <laughs> four, five, six, seven, eight against a 12. Success by four. Yeah, let's see how bad I feel. Uh, tied. Okay, well, I would say Rico has found the drives. And I found a ration sandwich from a week ago. Ugh. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yes. Uh, here are the drives. Okay. So, uh, Shipcom. Beep, beep, boop. All right. Uh, give us access to your USB ports, and we need you to do what only you can do and quickly scan through this and find any information you can about that purple guy we met. Affirmative. Please put them inside me. Please don't take that. <laughs> And Hank will blush and just start <laughs> plugging them in every 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 little USB he can. Oh Lord! Very good. Would this also be a good time for me to download a backup of my personality to these drives? If you find one that is completely blank, that would be fine. But put it as a secondary objective, please. Very good. A majority of these drives are blank. The one in port twelve C contains encrypted data. Can you unencrypt it? I am attempting. It is a very strong encryption program. Oh. Let me help. I will help him hack into it. (laughs) Success by seven. Nice. Wow. My gosh. Nice. Except for that moldy sandwich. You are on fire (laughs) with the rolls. (laughs) All right. So you successfully break into it. And since Hank is no doubt at a computer terminal to help with the unencrypting, you can see that basically this is the Breton's ship log, basically showing where they've been and indicating what they've been up to and stuff. Shipcom, could you take a copy of this of all these files somewhere? Just quietly put them somewhere so that we can have a look at them later. Very good. But don't delete them off this drive, though. In the meantime, would you print us out a transcript in our common language so that we can present it to our guests? Hmm. It is extensive. It would take some time to print out a physical copy. I think it's okay if we've got a digital copy. Hung. And this is what you need court reporters, job security. Because <laughs> <laughs> no. it would take a long time. Do we have a projector screen in the break room of sorts? You've got your holophone that's going to, everybody can think to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So are these thumb drives compatible with my holophone? 
Sure. Let's imagine it's a utopian future where technology is much more compatible than it is in real life. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And I will take the thumb drive from 12C and take it to the brick room. Were you able to find any information or those drugs? I'll triumphantly hold up the thumb drive and then plug it into my hollow phone and begin projecting, you know, just a few excerpts from the travel log. So we have all documentation that was on board the pirate ship. So as you're going through the documents, what comes up as particularly interesting is that they ran into an Eorblin ship that was apparently malfunctioning. And the logs indicate that the Bratum boarded the vessel. And it was right after that that they had this child. There's also a shot of their ship running at full speed away from the Eorblin ship with it trying to pursue, but not able to keep up because of its damaged engines. And Samuel Normalman looks at all that and says, well, it looks quite clear to me that these bounty hunter Bratums must have kidnapped the child. This must have been the same vessel that you saw later on the mining planet. They must have repaired their damage and then caught up with you all. That seems like a likely turn of events, yes. This is very disturbing. We're attempting to establish good diplomatic relations, and meanwhile, members of the League of Planet are kidnapping their children? This is awful. I hope that with you and your crew, Captain, caring for the child and returning them, maybe that'll negate some of the bad will that these Bratsum have caused. Well, I mean, please feel free to drop our names when you make contact with them. They may remember the incident. I was beginning to wait for him to drop the line, hey, could you guys drop by and check in on them? I was waiting for that. Well, still might happen, but I intercepted. (laughs) 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 To move that along. (laughs) Do you and your crew have any way to contact these Eorblins? It sounds like you left on good terms, but they didn't give you their phone number, I assume. They didn't. And unless we run into another stolen child, I don't see that they would have any reason to get in contact with us. Okay. Well, Captain, I want to thank you and your crew for being so cooperative. This has been a wealth of information. I can't believe you guys wrote a scientific paper about them. That's fantastic. Like I say, we've learned more about the Eorblins in this brief conversation than we have in over a year of studying them and trying to make contact. This this is the Is there any way that you can use your diplomatic status to perhaps get this paper published quicker? Get it into the right publishing hands, the right peer review hands? I'm certain we can. Nice. Well, isn't this the paper we're supposed to submit to the Science Guild on Lorinda to get access to their stuff? We're supposed to demonstrate that we're scientists, so we don't want them to publish it. We need to demonstrate, like, somebody else needs to publish it, and we need to be able to say, like... Here is our published paper, because getting papers published is really hard, and I assume that's going to be the same in the future. Well, maybe not when you know the right diplomat. <laughs> this is his area, and you've helped him out. <laughs> so that we're clear, we have, in the space of about 30 minutes, met someone, not checked their credentials, but we're turning over everything we know about this race and every piece of ship log from the... Bradham ship to this guy that we don't know for sure is even who he says he is. Well, we checked the ship ident. Shipcom ran it and said it was a legal planet ship with the right 
call number. How paranoid have I made you guys? My goodness. Very, Very paranoid. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a Matorb among them, so they've got to be good. Right, and they've got a Matorb who's not a slave. We can retcon and, and say that the <laughs> captain has to verify and Shipcom ran all their credentials and interfaced with League of Planets Central Command computer system and everything checked out. And also, too, I mean, take into account the fact that Rory lies about who she is all the time and credentials are easily faked. So it's almost no point to even check for them because if they're in an alliance ship or in a league of I, i'm sorry i've been playing mass effect if they're in a league of planet <laughs> ship it, i mean they could have easily also faked these sort of scannable credentials so it's kind of at this point that's fair yeah what's it to us you know as long as they didn't come in here guns blazing i think i consider it a win i hand over the thumb drive very good that was all exchanged with a look we didn't have that conversation <laughs> it was all in your eyes <laughs> Oh, nonverbal communication is amazing in the future. <laughs> We're very expressive. <laughs> if I have your permission, then I'll go ahead and submit this paper on your behalf, of course, giving you full credit, to the League of Planets Science Council for uh, consideration, and I'll give them my uh, personal guarantee that it checks out. Hey, they did put to Hank the best in their uh, dedication section, right? Oh, yes, it's definitely dedicated to the captain and Hank. Rika rolls her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing if you could get this published here. I'll uh, forward it to you with our contact details. There you are. Very good. Very good. Well, here, I want to extend an official thank you from the Diplomatic Corps. And here, for your cooperation, and he takes out a uh, credit ship and he slides it across the table to the captain. That's a uh, 20,000 lopsy, think of it as a finder's fee for finding all this information for us. Well, uh, fantastic. I promise you we'll put this to good use. And he starts to get up and says, oh, on a completely different subject, in all of your travels, and this is going to sound absurd, I know, but bear with me, have any of you run into any kind of large rat? species do you know you're the second person to ask me this this week no we haven't okay wait a minute wait a minute why are you asking that it's probably nothing but we're hearing rumors from people way outside the league talking about some new species causing havoc starting wars and the description people give us they sound like rats that like you'd find on new earth except the size of people and it's probably just rumors and nothing to worry about but free traders like yourself get around a lot i thought maybe you'd heard or seen something so i just wanted to check i look at kyan as i say this to them i wouldn't necessarily assume that it's nothing uh -uh. just because what a scary thing you should probably tell the league to be looking into that and it would be a shame if they were to attack lorna what an oddly specific thing to say. <laughs> We we don't want them attacking any of our league planets. That's why it's such a shame. We do have an expedition planned, actually. I probably shouldn't be telling you this, but we are sending an expedition in that direction. Hopefully they can confirm that. And if nothing else, they can explore some regions of space the league hasn't scanned before. So that'll be interesting. Well, don't, uh, don't underestimate the unknown. Uh, wise words, Captain. Wise words. All right. Well, thank you for your cooperation. And uh, my associate and I will be disembarking. I walk them to the airlock. And they go ahead and get on their ship and decouple and they fly away without incident. See, that's two groups of people been on the ship I haven't killed. Yeah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. 
That's fair. I think that establishes a pattern. You're a ship's captain for over a year. You kill two people and suddenly you're a murderer. That's right. Suddenly, I'm just... I think that's literally correct. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, it's manslaughter at best. Oh, no. I'm no lawyer, but... No, you're right. You're right. The one, the last one was murder. The first one he drew a gun. The last, yeah, okay. I murdered one person. The only thing they can prove with the evidence left behind is tampering of evidence. Because you just tampered the evidence all over the galaxy. Well, I mean, listen. <laughs> I did murder that one guy. I admit it. <laughs> I admit it. I murdered that one guy. <laughs> the other guy drew a gun okay. at me. Of course I'm going to kill him. I mean, that's that's, that's fair. That's it's fair. castle doctrine. It's in my own ship. It's in my own airlock. That's perfectly fair. And hey, you just had a conversation about that whole incident with uh, an authority from the government, and they didn't seem to have a problem with it, so you're fine. Yeah. Well, goody two-shoes Kyan had to t- tell him the truth. Hey, you know, any Bratom misconduct needs to be reported because, yeah, screw that. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying. This comes back to bite us in the butt. You're getting monologue number two, Kyan. <laughs> monologue number two. <laughs> this all feels so official. Hello, I'm Joe Hogan, the editor of As the Dice Rule. I hope you're enjoying this season one finale of Cautious Optimism. Next week, we'll be diving right into season two with all new stories and surprises. Before then, however, we have a special Q&A episode. That episode is planned for this Tuesday, November 30th. If you missed the opportunity to send us a question or a comment, never fear. We are always looking for questions and comments to feature on our intermissions, so send them our way. You can follow us on Twitter at AsTheDiceRollRP, on Instagram at AsTheDiceRoll. If you want to chat with us in real time, go check out our Slack channel over on the geek to geek Media Network Slack, which you can find by going to the Contact Us tab on the network website at geek 2 While you're there, you can also join the geek to geek Media Discord server. And finally, you can always email us at podcast at asthedicerollcast.com or leave us a voice message by clicking on our link on our website at asthedicerollcast.com. If you want to hear more behind-the-scenes chat about As The Dice Roll, Rob, sometimes our voice of the cold open, was on Geek2Tooth this past weekend, and we spent a good amount of time at the top of the show talking about As the Dice Roll. So make sure you check that out. It's episode 225, and the main topic for the episode is the Eternals movie. If you want to hear more from the rest of our crew, you can check out our other various podcasts. You can listen to Kelly on Mating Habits of the Modern Geek. Bama and Todd co-host a podcast about farming simulator called Farming Simulated. You can also listen to Todd on his podcast, Nerdbird Review, and Raven on Girls Gone Wow. And with the holiday approaching, make sure to check out our merch store on the geek to geek Media website. You can get the OSHA Van t-shirt from What Is Not, and the GM's Incompetence Does Not Equal Player Success t-shirt from Cautious Optimism. That's it for me this week. I'll be back on November 30th with our Q&A special episode, and then again on Friday, December 3rd, with our next episode of Cautious Optimism. Until then... Let's see what the crew thinks about all this attention right after a quick commercial break. When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the Geek2Geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like... Video games. Star Wars. Beep, 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 beep. 
Comics. Movies. K-pop. Disney Plus. Keanu. Keanu Reeves. New. Or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep, and each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes, Keanu. Before we wrap things up, I hate to tell you guys what to do, but Rico might have found something about the rat people. Yes, I did do that research that you were asking for, Captain, about the rat people. Yeah? I guess I should probably mention it now, really, since they seem to be a topic of conversation. I found a sort of... it's a children's story. Okay. Would you like me to read it? I, I, I can't wait. You don't sound very enthusiastic. No, I'm actually very enthusiastic. I, I feel like these rat things are now have just, um, in the span of, of minutes, have become a reality. So, yeah, let me hear it. You did wake me up at two o'clock in the morning to ask about them. Yeah, well, <laughs> I was hoping they weren't real. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm still not convinced. However, here's the story. So she uh, goes to her iPad and she pulls up the story. It's called Of Rats and Dogs. Oh child, hear the tale of the rats and the dogs. Long ago, while we still walked on four paws, that was a very long time ago, Captain, and slept on the dirt, again, a very, very long time ago, we were happy. But then the rocks rained from the sky and poured out a sea of rats, but not rats of the sort you know and eat for snacks. No, these did walk on two legs, for they held weapons in both hands. Their tails were long and were whips upon our fur. They hunted us and devoured us. They made us dig in dirt so that they may take the shiny rock. They were monsters, and we wept. Then came the dogs, nightmare dogs that walked on their hind legs and were too loud. They captured us and tortured us in the chambers of metal, they who mangled us to walk on two paws. They forced us to speak with words and used things that were tools. The dogs made us build homes to live in and grow food in dirt. The dogs took away our joyful lives of hunting and sleeping and did make us become which we were not. They made us like them and we wept. The dogs and the rats fought. They made war upon our home. They fought and we wept. The dogs gave us lighting boxes and bade us point them to the rat and the lightning scared us. But by lighting we killed all the rats. But we did not eat them for their taste was bad. But we pointed our lighting at the dogs and lo we killed them too. Revenge for the life they took from us, and the dogs went away. Oh child, it is good that the rats and the dogs are gone. It is good that you are free to sleep and eat and sleep as you will. But we must work hard and be good. We must always work and think and become strong. For are we not smart and strong? One day the rats and dogs may return, and then, child, you will weep. Hey, Gosie, it's just a story. Oh, but I love that story. Because on Earth, I'm a cat person. And Hank is just like sobbing at the sad tale. Or like he wants to hug Rico so bad, but her personal boundaries and all that. Well, I mean, that's, you know, my people walked on four paws before they walked on two. We weren't forced into it, but, you know, we slept in dirt recently. So, <laughs> I mean, this is a very common tale. What would the shiny rock have been, do you think, that the rats were after? I don't know. It's just a children's story, but it's the only one that we've got recorded written down is there a precious mineral on your planet not now uh or was there a precious mineral on your planet i wouldn't know vibranium (laughs) (laughs) 
There's no history of anything specific. Are we still within email range of that diplomat ship? Yeah. Yeah. We might want to forward that story along too, just to make sure some smart people in the league have it. It might be nothing. It should be on record, but yes, okay. It might be on record, but they may not be looking in that direction. I'm sure they're not going to go through the feline nursery rhymes looking for this new potential threat. It would be way down on the list. It's not going to be something that at least humans are going to think about first. I will forward it on to him, Captain. Oh, no. Rat people. Next time on Cautious Optimism. Zegon Station is right on the border that marks the edge between the League of Planets and outside of the League of Planets. You notice a ship that's floating out in space like it was just abandoned there. And as you look really closely, you finally realize that's the bitter blue. You're new here. Come to me on 13 and bring the singer too. You've been listening to As the Dice Roll. The As the Dice Roll intro music is The Soap Opera by James Bowers. You can find and license his music through Pond5 at pond5.com. All the rest of the music in this episode is by Darren Curtis and can be found at darrencurtismusic.com. The opening voiceover is by our very own Rob Sometimes. You can find his podcast at comicbox.libsyn.com. And the As the Dice Roll logo was created by Marcel Edwards. Check out her book, No Great Matter, at msedwards.com. As the Dice Roll is a proud member of the geek to geek Media Network. Check out other geek to geek shows, streams, and content at geek to geekmediacom If you'd like to contact the show, you can send an email to podcast at asthedicerollcast.com. Individual players and GMs, social media can be found on our website at asthedicerollcast.com. 